Welcome to the Car Project Podcast, where we equip you to understand and study the Bible and find joy along the way. We're so glad you're here. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us at the Cara Project. I'm Sarah West. I'm Heather Erickson. And today we're going to be looking at one of Jesus's teachings. And we often tend to gravitate towards some of the more heartwarming um, or passages that really make us feel good uh, about Jesus's teachings. But today we're going to be looking at something that might come across a little harsh. And what are we supposed to do with that? And we're going to car it. So our passage today is Matthew 7, 22 through 23. And Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's really encouraging. Right? <laughs> right? So Heather, what do we do with this verse? I mean, f- first off, what questions do you have about this verse? One of the best places for us to always start whenever we read the Bible, it's one of the questions in the Kara Guide, is in the research section. And it's asking what are observations or questions we have? Because mm-hmm. we want to start to kind of grapple with where does our mind go first? For me, this passage makes me wonder, is Jesus disowning us? If he says, I never knew you, is he saying that what, you know, there's an opportunity we have to not be known by Jesus? Right. And just by asking that question, it kind of gives you a starting off point and going, this is what I want to study. I want to find this answer because you need some direction. Yeah. And I may have one question. I may have 10 questions. Today, this one question seems pretty big of trying to figure out, is Jesus disowning us or not? And what's it going to take? Very, very heavy. But I think we're going to hope Hopefully come to a conclusion that leaves us a little hopeful and helpful uh, yes. along the way. Please. So normally, where would you where would you start, Heather? We always, I mean, more often than not, I feel like we tend to start at context. Mm-hmm. It seems like the right yeah. place to go for this because we just read only two verses in what was a section of scripture that was in Matthew 7. It's right at the tail end of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And so mm-hmm. if you back out and read Uh, just even the verses before, we were in verses 22 and 23. If we were to back out to verses 13 and just go back a a few steps, we'd start to see that there's actually, this passage we're reading is one of four warnings that Jesus is giving and is trying to help us see. And he ends up saying in both all of these warnings, he gives you two options. One highlights how we have eternal life with Jesus and or with God, and then what leads to destruction or separation from God. So we see these two, and let me just read it, because I think this helps put our passage in the right light. The first one is starting in verse 13, chapter 7 of Matthew, says, enter through the narrow gate. So we have gates, um, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. There's our destruction piece. But then in 14, it says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. So our first warning is all about gates and roads, and there's a narrow road or there's a, a wide road or a narrow gate and a wide gate. And so we already get our first picture of one of our warnings. And, and boy, isn't that another one of those passages, something that Jesus said that we're kind of like, 
I don't know. Really, I, 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 I tend to, I'm going to push that aside. I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to put that on the shelf. Cause, but no, we don't want to put that on the, like right. this is, there's a reason why Jesus is saying this. He's trying to paint a picture for us of what right. is expected or what is, um, what this passage is trying, okay. what he's trying to get across. So then we keep on moving on. Our second warning comes out in starting in verse 15 and it says, watch out for false prophets. They are come to you in sheep's clothing and wordly they were ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do they pick grapes for, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear uh, fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown out into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So we're seeing a um, Jesus talking about our second warning is about two trees the ones that bear good fruit and those that bear bad fruit. Yeah, you mentioned fruit quite a, quite a few times. There's a lot there. There. and it, it makes me wonder <laughs> what are we supposed to be looking for? What is fruit? Oh yeah, oh, so we could write that question mm-hmm. down as one of our observations. We could have add that to the, our questions. Yeah. Potentially we could address that in another Bible study. Mm-hmm. We may uncover it as we go along. This is a chance for us to be able to say, you know what, I want to come back to this one. But yeah. I, I still want to move on yeah. um, for time's sake. And when we get into verse 21, we start to see our third warning, which is our warning, the one we just read earlier today, which says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who will, who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Let me repeat that again. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of the Father who uh, is in heaven. And then it goes on to say, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Uh, and, and then we get into our passage and it ends with, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Now, this our, that's our third thing. We're starting to see a focus on doing the will of God versus those that say the right things mm-hmm. about God. Um, and this is a, almost feeling a little personal, uh, you know, in, in a way, because we could easily say, man, how often am I doing that? This verse is starting to become really real. Yeah. But I just want to, before I move on, I want to go to our fourth warning. And what's interesting is in some um, Bible uh, translations, it will actually have the word therefore mm-hmm. um, in verse 24. Therefore, it is a, a way for us in context to be able to ask, what is it there for? It means that our thought has not been completed. We're still going through. So because these are right after my verses, I need to read right after our verses in verse 24. And it says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat up against the house, yet it did not fall because of its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the Mm -hmm. sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And then Jesus, go, they, the, the response of the crowd was amazed at this teaching because they were just shocked by what he was saying. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to start to see a picture here. We've got two types of gates and roads. We have two different types of trees. We have two different types of um, uh, commands in our own passage about mm-hmm. doing the will of God versus saying. And then at the end, he talks about two different types of people and how they build. And all of them have this theme of that it doesn't matter what we believe in God. If we haven't had a heart change that shows up in how we act, hmm. that fruit okay. we were talking about earlier, but again, I think there's there's more to that fruit question we should pick at. But not everyone's going to choose Jesus and be willing to humbly submit themselves to his will. Like that's what this passage is saying is that not everybody's going to choose that, that route. They're going to choose another way. And in seeing these warnings together, we start to understand that this I never knew you isn't inferring, it's inferring that there are some people that have never actually followed Jesus. They may say it with their mouth, 
but they aren't actually aligning their will to Jesus. I like that you you talked about submission to his will. Mm. And I think that's a key question here. What is the will of the Father, as it says in, in verse 21? Because I think these, these people, they thought they were doing it, right? Because they kept repeating, in your name, I prophesied in your name, I cast out demons in your name, I did miracles in your name. They thought they were doing the will of the Father. They mm-hmm. were doing these things, these good works in Jesus' name. And yet Jesus says, I never knew you. So that, that is a little bit shocking. So what is the will of the Father? And I, I think that then you, you touched it in that last warning in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. So I think in, in context, when we're looking at what is the will of the Father and what is, what is fruit, mm-hmm. what is the fruit, is obedience to God. Yeah. And, and and listening and acting on his word. Right. Because there's one thing for me to say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. It totally is another thing for me to actually live my life mm-hmm. as if I do follow him. Right. And we see this actually repeated. You know, if we were to, you know, context has been awesome. I feel like we've gotten our answer. I wouldn't stop here just okay. because I would love for us to, I'm a huge cross-reference nerd. I love looking at where else in the Bible has this same concept been taught just to make sure that my interpretation of this verse is landing with something that doesn't con- isn't contradictory to someplace else in scripture. And so my natural reaction is to say, I'm going to go and look at some cross-references and see where else this is at. And what's great is, just like a lot of passages in the Gospels, our friend Matthew covered this in his Sermon on the Mount. Luke did as well. But funny enough, he actually covered it in two different places. Um, he has two different spots where he mentions um, different parts of our passage, in which is just structure, um, just a reminder, Gospels were not chronological, and so if they are out of order, it's not because they're wrong, it's because the authors were emphasizing different things, and so they would sometimes mix up the stories in different orders. But Luke Luke covers it in Luke 6, verse 46 through, uh, through 49, where he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? I show you that he's like a... Uh, like those who come to me and hear my words and put them into practice. Let me say that again. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into Mm -hmm. practice. He's like a man building a house. Have we heard this analogy Mm -hmm. before? Who dug the down deep and laid the foundation on the rock? What a flood came and and he ends up going in and talking about that that builder of the the full foundation. They are the ones that are hearing who Jesus is and are acting on yes. it, and they're actually following him. That's how Luke uh, interprets this "I never knew you" passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on in Luke thirteen. Again, cross references were my best friend in this this venture. But he goes on in, in um, Luke thirteen. Verse 25 uh, through 27 says, once the owner of a house gets up and closes the door and will be standing outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. And he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. And they will say, we ate and drank with you and taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from away from me, you evildoers. And it is in the same passage that Luke is repeating the story of the narrow door. And the mm-hmm. fact that there's a narrow door and there's a wide there's a wide door, and so we see Luke tr- emulating the same concept. It's the same application that we had before: is that it's not about not everybody's going to choose Jesus, or do His will, and so it doesn't matter what we say. And if we say we believe in God, it has more to do about our heart change. Mm-hmm. What's interesting that la- in that last Luke passage you read, where they say that, that we ate and we drank with you, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a little bit of a wake up call here, right? Like, 
I knew you, Lord. I, I ate and drank with you. I did miracles in your name. I, 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 I knew you. Mm-hmm. Or so they, they thought. They, they thought they, they know. Or their act. They thought by their actions that they were that they were right yeah. justified. I did the I did the checklist, Lord. I was yeah, hanging out with you. Yeah. And what's crazy is when we do a little bit more cross reference digging. If I stay in this context mm-hmm. ram, uh, place, but go and answer the question about does this hold true throughout the Bible? Okay. We've looked at immediate context, and that's where we've been hunkering. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to go out a little bit farther across the Bible and say, does this interpretation that I'm starting to gain? A run true throughout different passages. We see, and um, I just have a couple here. One is James one twenty two says, "Do not merely listen to the word, and uh, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." There's that deceive word again. Oh. We do deceive ourselves. Well, yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm my best. I'm I'm the best one at mm-hmm. telling myself right. a lie about what I am doing, and the I, I can easily. Um, get myself to think differently than what I'm actually yeah. going to do. Hmm. Um, 1 John 3, 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Hmm. Um, another verse that, that popped up was even even the demon's belief. Um, I, I don't have the passage in my notes here, but I, yes. I think oftentimes we're like, yeah, we believe. Yeah, we easily say that we are yours, Lord. But even the demons believe that Jesus existed. Yeah, and that, that he, he was, was the son of God. And that he was the son of God. That's like really great point. Right? And so I think we can easily get stuck in this idea that just because we know and we say that that covers it. Right. If there's not a submission, Mm-mm. right? Like, I believe you exist. I believe you are who you say you are, but I don't submit to you. No. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so our the last verse I came across was in 1 Corinthians 3, where it talks about love. It's like, if I speak in tongues of men of an angels and do not have love, I'm only resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have not the gift of prophecy or fathom the mysteries of all knowledge, and if I have, not, uh, have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And I think we sometimes forget that there's a lot of times our actions can come through, but it can be a, gain, a gong or a clanging symbol because it doesn't have the motive, the heart change right. of knowing who Jesus is and his love that is the reason why we are loving others. We're doing it for a different agenda. Mm-hmm. Boy, and you really see that. I mean, as, as you mentioned in the beginning, we're in Matthew 7, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But you do see that same theme throughout Matthew's uh, Sermon on the Mount. Like in Matthew 5, mm-hmm. um, the heart behind the actions matter. God cares about the heart. Right. Well, and that's yeah. actually, wow, you just segued me, and I don't even think you meant to do it. But one of the next questions I like to ask when um, when studying scripture is, well, who are they talking to? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a history question of who is it written to? Who is it written about? Mm-hmm. Because it makes me want to understand, okay, who's this audience? Just to make sure, is this something that was meant for just them? Or is it meant for me today? And, um, and how, or how can I apply it today? Mm-hmm. What's crazy is right at the beginning of Matthew, right? At the, we see our audience actually identified because that's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We see Jesus standing at this mountainside and he's hanging out with all these people. And it actually describes them in the audience as a large crowd from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and this regions across the Jordan. But they were likely a mix of disciples and religious leaders. And if we know that, that a lot of maybe the disciples were probably very much following Jesus, um, but the Pharisees may have been putting their acts ahead of what uh, what they would have thought as being followers of God. Jesus is calling out both of these crowds and saying, you need to check your heart here a little mm-hmm. bit. And I love that we see a mixed crowd 
um, that he's hanging out with because it helps us realize this is a message for every every type of person. For those that think that they're religious, yes. Those that are, um, you know, coming as a tax collector like Matthew was, one of his disciples, or fishermen, people that were the lowest of the low. It's all. This is a message for everybody. I, I love that. It is it's so helpful. The audience matters. Who are they speaking to and why? Mm-hmm. That that helps. And that's one of our history questions. Are there any other history questions that you would gravitate towards? You know, one of the questions, and sometimes it can be hard to find, and I'll use a study Bible or other notes to be able to help kind of gr- grasp this one. But a history question is, why was this message given to those people at that time? Mm-hmm. You know, so we, as we, we, when we see the Old Testament, the Jewish people had been taught that by following the law... They would that only way they could have right standing with God was by keeping that law. And when Jesus comes in, his sermon is upside down from that mm-hmm. because he's not teaching that piece, but he's teaching about it being less about the actions of the law and more about the heart. Man, we've already studied this in a passage that we've had done on this podcast in Matthew 5, 48. Mm-hmm. It has less to do about our actions and more to do with our heart. And so when we understand the Jewish perspective of them wanting to keep the law in order for them to be able to have an audience with God someday in heaven, that changes your perspective to say, he's telling them that that's not what really matters. It's not what you do um, and, and, and what you say you do. It's, yeah. It has more to do with your heart. So I, I, I love that question of why, right? Why was this message given to them? And it, it makes me wonder, what would their response have been? I mean, so one of the questions also in our history is, how would the original audience have heard this? Mm. I, I, I think, wouldn't this have been a wake-up call? Huge. Like, it, he's in the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is turning upside down, like you said, their understanding of righteousness in the kingdom. So this would have been a, a complete wake-up call that, wait a minute, uh, to enter the kingdom is, 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 is maybe different than I thought. It's not about, right, the actions and all, all that. It's, it's a, I, I want to I know you. I need to submit to you. So that's, that's great. Oh, well, yeah. and you, again, segmented me so beautifully because the You're next... You're welcome. Thank you. The, <laughs> not, the thing that I would normally look at is say, well, you know, is, are there research? If I go to my research section of my CARA guide, mm. are there resources that I could gain some insights uh, from biblical scholars, whether it's a study Bible or a commentary? And what's crazy is the, uh, those commentaries that I came across had a very similar answer to your question about that original audience. Oh, good. Okay. This was really kind of fascinating. They were actually, um, the Bible knowledge commentary was one of the first places I went. And it said that those hearing the sermon would, must have wondered about the religious leaders who seemed to be good men, teaching spiritual truths about the Messiah and his kingdom. Jesus made it clear they were not good for they were leading the others astray, even if they were doing supernatural deeds, prophesying in his name, driving out demons. All that good fruit. All that great fruit, performing miracles. They were not obedient to the Father. Mm. So continually doing as well, they refused to um, in admission to the kingdom because Jesus had no personal relationship with them. That's what mm. this Bible commentary said. And I loved that it tied it to that relationship because this is the, these people would have thought, I got it all. Mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And Jesus is calling them out on it. The other commentary that I ended up coming across is my Warren Wiersbe, the Bible exposition commentary. And it says... Words are not a substitute for obedience, and neither are religious works. Preaching, casting out demons, performing miracles can be a diverse, uh, divinely inspired, but they uh, give no assurance of salvation. Whoa. It's likely that even Judas 
participated in some of all these activities, and yet he was not a true believer. That's a good point. And I was like, man, when I read that, I was like, that's a great point, because here you have a disciple sitting, eating dinner, Mm -hmm. hanging out, casting out, like doing all the things that disciples did, spreading the fame of Jesus. He was doing all the right things, Mm -hmm. but his heart wasn't in the right place. That's a good point. And I love that both of those also that you just read, they did um, reference obedience Mm. and that God cares about obedience over our good works and, or our good words, um, that an obedience and a submission, they go hand in hand, Yeah, right? Submitting to the will of the father. So I love that there, there was that shout out there. Uh, okay. So Heather, we've, we've done, we've done research. We've done history. We looked at context. I mean, we could spend time in author if we wanted to. I don't think for us to be able to apply this verse, I think we've been circling around some of these themes already that we could just, we could jump to apply. Um, and if, and if we do, one of the first questions I love to ask is what fears or concerns as I'm applying this, you know, are, are things that I need to be conscious of, I need to be aware of, where are those fears and concerns? And I don't know about you, but when I was reading this verse, this idea of this, I never knew you. Yeah. You know, how do we know that Jesus is going to claim that, claim us as his? That, that's, that's real. It is. Yeah. It's completely real. But now I also understand that based on what I've read in context and I understand in the history and, and some further research, I also know that it has less to do about what I do and has more to do with my heart. In my relationship with him? Am I submitting myself to him? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, John, you know, throughout John in the upper room and the verses, th- you know, chapter 13 through 17 talks a lot about aligning your heart or rem- abiding or remaining in yeah. God. That submission, that ability to say, I'm aligned with you, God. Right. Made me think of pick up your cross daily and follow him. That's exactly it's it. His will over my will. That's right. That's and, right. And that's, you know, that trips up a lot of us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We kind of like our will in our way. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm not a control freak. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's not me at all. Um, as, as I say in our house, that was sarcasm. Uh, so uh, we have to announce it at our house just to make sure that we are very clear. <laughs> help, help train the children. A little bit, a little bit, or myself. What is um, funny and what is not? <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. So, okay. So another question I might ask during apply is, what did I learn about God? This is a yeah. huge question. We love asking this question yeah. because when we realize what we learn about God from this is that it has more to do about our relationship with him. It has more to do about our heart with him. And he cares more about that than all of mm-hmm. these checklists of things that we love to say we do for him. If I can, you know, come home at night and say, oh, Lord, you know, my husband to my husband, I did this, 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 and this. I don't think that's exactly what God's looking for in, in my relationship with him. You know, my husband wouldn't be asking that of me. Uh, No relationship is saying, what did you do for me lately? They shouldn't be. That's not the right of a a relationship. A relationship cares more about, are you connected to me? Mm -hmm. Do you have a tie with me? Are we honoring each other? And God is asking for us to be honoring to him and submissive to him. That's... Why? Why wouldn't I want to do that? Because, man, he's amazing God. I, I love that, and I love that you stress that relationship, mm-hmm. and and to have a relationship with God. Um, what that looks like, and what I'm seeing shouting out from this passage is to to know my word and to obey it. Right. Part of having a relationship with God is knowing his word. Oh, that's good. And yeah. submitting to yeah. his word. And it's right here. And that's what we're trying to do yeah. by taking, you know, one of these um, sticky passages and, um, and trying to car it, trying to understand it. What, what was Jesus saying? Oh, I love that because it, there's no better way to have a relationship with God if you're not in his word. 
Yeah. If you are not studying the Bible on a regular basis, how do you know what it, where his heart is, what he yeah. is, you know, wanting, you know, to, to in our relationship with him? You don't understand God if you're not in in the Word. So I love that you brought that up. That's a great mm-hmm. reminder and the reason why we we're doing this. And I'm leaving this passage feeling quite encouraged. I I started Good. I started early off with a wow that could be overwhelming, or mm-hmm. at least I'm hoping we're feeling this way. Yeah, but. There's still one more apply that you may want to put into practice. Okay. If you're if you're studying this passage, that you may want to go to God and pr- and pray. You know, in almost oh. any passage and pray. That's it's a good point. We right? pray. pray every time. Every time we should be doing this. And we would normally pray some kind of prayer where the you have, Lord, what did you want me to learn in this passage? How should I be applying this to my life? And so when I was praying over this passage and as we were preparing for today, my, uh, my prayer was, Jesus, help us reevaluate the motive behind our actions. Are we doing things because we have to um, in order to get a right standing with you? Are we doing it because it looks good on the outside? Or are we living out these verses, changing our heart posture toward you to follow your will and let your actions be a get to? It being an outpouring mm-hmm. of our love for you. So help us align our will to yours and maybe we changed from the inside out. Oh, amen. Right? Like that is the ultimate hope. And that, that's what gives me hope in this verse is mm-hmm. that Jesus is just calling us to be in closer connection and relationship. He doesn't want lip service. Right. And man, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with someone that was giving me lip service either. So right. I, I get it. I right. get it. Well, hopefully this was hopeful and helpful. And, and hopefully it also it, it gives us the confidence to maybe take some of those verses that we've been putting on that shelf or the, the ones we quite frankly, we just don't know what to do with, we, you know, and to tackle them, to dive into them and to try to understand the heart behind them, what we can learn about God. And, and I love that you ended with a prayer and pray over those. God, how do I interpret this? What am I supposed to do with this? So um, hopefully that it gives uh, all of us some encouragement to actually tackle some of those passages, which we will continue doing. So make sure you subscribe and join us on our next podcast. And we'll, we'll continue doing that with you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about The Car Project, visit us at thecarproject.com. This podcast is listener supported. So if you'd like to support, head on over to our website and click give.